Successful people understand that they are always impacting and influencing others either positively or negatively. Welcome to Impactful with me, Andrew Palmer, and my co-host, Julia Felton, the podcast where we share strategies and tactics to help you become the leader you've always wanted to be so you can make a real difference in the world. great to be with you here again today on Impactful the podcast and I think we've got a really exciting episode lined up for our listeners today because today we're going to delve into the impact ripple and what that is and the fact that each and every one of us is always creating a ripple around us and the thing is most of us are pretty unaware of that so what you and I have done, isn't it, is that we've come up with a concept that we've called the impact ripple. And it really aligns to the imagery that we've got here for the podcast, which is the stone dropping into the water and making those ripple effects out. And each of us are making this ripple effect. The problem is most people, as we said, are pretty unaware of that. And so I just wanted to delve into some thoughts about the impact ripple and how how it works. Because if we think about where the stone actually touches the water, that's, that's the effect of the ripple on ourselves. So we're always impacting ourselves. And then that expands that to the next level, which in a business sense might be your team or in a family sense might, would be your family. So you impact the people directly around you. So it might be your team members or your family. And then that cascades up to impacting the organization And then that cascades up to impacting your stakeholders. So they would be your customers and your suppliers from a business sense, um, maybe even your shareholders. And then we cascade up again in terms of the ripple effect to impacting the community and the society in which we live. So I think it's really, really important that our listeners understand, Andrew, that, you know, they are always making an impact. And like we say, you know, what kind of impact are you making today? Is it a positive or a negative one? (laughs) And it, it is exactly that. And it's what you do with your emotions. It's what you do with your leadership style. It's having a recognition of self-awareness, which is really important in this whole, the ripple effect, because it's that importance of you're unaware of the impact you're having, then it's going to, it's going to soon expand out and an impact. And it could on productivity on the way that you, on your culture, on the way that everything sort of comes together. And I sometimes describe it as I would when you're putting a business plan together. You have the business plan and you have the main tenant of it, the, the, the vision and the mission. But out of that, you then go to your leaders and your managers and you say, you create the one for your teams, getting your critical success factors correct. Mm-hmm. And once you get your critical success factors, that's your connection. And that's your connection to us. That's what binds you all together. And that's what we can all think about. I think I've read something you described it as a wake, that thing about the ripples behind a boat, not uh, the other definition of a wake. Those whole critical success factors are how I sometimes get people to think about the impact they're having, what their gravitas is, the impact their gravitas is having on the others around them and on their teams or what they take back to to their family. So it's this whole thing about being self-aware and understanding your body language and your vocal tone and your non-verbal 
uh, imagery that you you give out. Does that chime with you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love the description of a wake. I, the reason that I think we've used a ripple here, just so all the listeners are really clear, is because I think that gives the great imagery of one thing impacting the next thing, impacting the next thing, impacting the next thing. But I think the wake, I, I love the concept of the leadership wake. I'm sure you've been in a situation like me, Andrew, where you've you've gone into the office and, you know, a boss or somebody's walked through and they just leave this path of devastation behind them. <laughs> They're just kind of oblivious to what they've done. And I know certainly I've, I've had a boss that's done that. You know, they've walked in. They, sometimes they just throw away a throwaway comment and it just creates pandemonium. And everyone's like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do now. That's an example of a leader not understanding and creating a massive wake you know a massive ripple effect that's that's knocked the whole team off course just because they didn't really understand the impact that phrase was having or, or those words were having on the people around them and I think as as leaders it's beholden on us to to really understand that I was about to say we have so much power and I mean that in the way that we, we have so much influence around uh, with our team members and the other people that we work with. And like you said, we're impacting them positively or negatively. You know, whether our team members are really engaged at work is absolutely down to how the leader and the manager shows up. And, you know, the research from Gallup is 70% of people lead, leave um, bad managers, you know, and a bad manager, in my view, is a manager that's not self-aware, a leader who's not self-aware, and doesn't realize all of the things that they're saying and doing and how those are having this ripple effect on everyone else around us. I think it's a really fascinating topic, this, for us to delve into today. And more so because it's the zeitgeist of today, isn't it? It's, if anybody's listening to this <laughs> later on in 2020, we're recording this at the height of the pandemic, which is COVID-19. And the impact that this is having on how people are get, then going to lead or are still having to lead. And the ripple effect there is, is something that is going to leave that the ripples are still going to be there for some months after this has gone. And we've got to be able to, to pick up on that. And it's so it's about um, leaders actually knowing yourself or their self in this and understanding the impact that they are now going to have. Know yourself inside out. And perhaps it's something that we could delve into with, with the horses. Oh, we've talked about this in the last uh, episode. If you need to find yourself or yourself, so to speak, then what you can learn uh, and the way that we've been working together is what the horses can teach us about how we're going to lead and how that ripple effect really does make a difference if you get it right and really makes a difference if you get it wrong absolutely yeah and actually you know the work with the horses i kind of started codifying it based on some some work that i've come across across the what we call the awareness wheel and the awareness wheel is really about this that all of the first of all when when we're doing something we need to start sensing and being really present and we've often talked about uh, leaders needing to be really present and that by present we mean in the in the moment uh, not worried about the future not worried about the past and 
when you're in this space of being really present, it's, it's really important because that's the space where you can really connect with your team, with your family members. And that's when you can have some great conversations because you are totally present to what's going on. That's what the horses are very good at doing. The horses live in the present moment. The horses don't walk around wondering, oh, I wonder what happened yesterday or, you know, I wonder what I'm having for dinner tonight. They're actually living right now in the present tense. So the first part of that awareness for any leader is, is really noticing and sensing how they're feeling in that moment. You know, if you're about to walk into a room, just recognize how you're feeling because, Andrew, I'm sure you've experienced like I have, you know, you walk into a room and you just know somebody's having a bad time, right? Even though they tell you they're fine, you, you sense that they're not. Have you ever experienced that? Oh, quite a number of times, yes. The feeling it has on you or the impact it has is just a negative emotion, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, that's all about us, you know, being present and really sensing what's going on. And then, you know, once we've sensed what's going on and we're, we're, we're in this present state, then we start to step two of the awareness wheel is, is how do you feel? You know, what's your gut telling you? And in that instant, you've got a gut instinct that, you know, this person is just lying through their teeth. And uh, we've all got that intuition, that feeling, you know, and we tend to call it a gut feeling because that's often where we feel it. But we know when something's just not quite right, whether it's with a situation or with a colleague, we just know. So then, you know, once you're aware of, of, of how, how you're feeling and you're being really present, then you move into the next step, which is what are your reactions? We've then got a choice about how we react to the situation and how then we, you know, in this case of walking into a room, how are we going to walk into the room? What reactions do we want to get from everyone? And then how do we communicate to everybody else throughout, throughout that process? So we're we've had some clarity on we're feeling present. We, we know what our gut's saying. We know how we're feeling. Now we know what we're thinking. We've got to the point of, well, this is how we communicate. And then if there's any, you know, anger or resentment or anything like that, any of those negative emotions, then we want to leave them, leave them at the door and not engage in that conversation. So then that takes us around to the wheel and we've kind of released that emotion. We've really become aware of what was driving us and we've been really conscious and i think that's perhaps the thing for uh the listeners to really get hold of is that you know we need to be consciously aware all the time of this impact that we're having and is it a great impact we want to put out or is it a not so great impact we've put out and as leaders we have a choice about how we're going to do that so the, when, we, when people come and work with the horses, this is exactly what happens with them. They need to get really present with the horse. Then they need to start feeling. And a lot of people often feel a bit of anxiety when they're around the horses. I mean, I know you kind of uh, confided to me, Andrew, you were a little bit apprehensive when you came to be with the horses. And then they, as the, and the horses help them move through this awareness wheel so that they they get to the end of the situation and they've got more awareness about how they respond in a situation and particularly a situation in which they feel uncomfortable in because it's something that's new, something different, something that challenges them. And I think that takes me back slightly to Paul Ekman, who was an emotion researcher. And that brings me back to some of the, what you've been talking about, how you watch the horses and you think about the horses and he thought about self-awareness and why was it such a powerful skill to have uh, he brought it down to i think if i can recall it it was about the way that we breathe and and that's what you pick up from the horses and the way that they then 
bring that self-awareness into them and how they breathe to give them that sort of strength of, of, of self-awareness. And I think that is something that we should all think about. And that's part of the sort of gravitas training as well is about the, the breathing process because then it helps you get your inner self to together. And it may be that uh, as we have done uh, before uh, with clients is to, to do a SWOT analysis uh, on themselves and then bring that into, into the form. And also the other good technique that a lot of people can start thinking about within the self-awareness arena is the 360 degree uh, analysis where you get, uh, you get those around you where those that will really feel the, the emotions that of your self-awareness be able to give you the honest and open feedback that will help yeah. de help develop that yeah absolutely because i think you know in in the case of coming to work with the horses the horses are providing your 360 degree feedback immediately yeah. in the moment but i think this this concept of breathing is is really important as really as related to self-awareness because a lot of us actually we don't actually think about breathing do we no. We just go through all the days and we're just breathing. But actually, if you really pay attention, when we get anxious or fearful, we often tend to hold our breath. And I see this a lot with particularly when people come out to the horses, when they get that anxiety, they hold their breath. And of course, when you hold your breath, your whole body stiffens up. And other people can read and we're going to just dig into a little bit about nonverbal communication in a minute can see that because your body is so taut and then you know they're like oh that person looks like they're about to run away they must be frightened there must be something wrong people are reading that body language and it just reminds me of going out to the pasture the other day with the horses I brought the two boys in Toby and Charlie into the stable and the girls were out in the field still and were very indignant they hadn't been brought in and they were grazing very calmly. And as I brought the boys in, they started galloping around. They were breathing really fast. They were like fire breathing dragons. And I had, when I went back out to the field, they were so high on energy and bucking and rearing. And I was like, I'm not even going there. So actually what I had to do to help them ground themselves again was I had to stand there and really deep breathe. And I do something often called box breathing where you can, breathe in for four hold it for four breathe out for four hold it for four and that really helps to activate the uh parasympathetic nervous system and you know get you feeling really relaxed so i actually did that to help the horses slow down because it's like it wasn't safe for me to walk in when their energy was so high and kind of so dysfunctional but God, how often in business do we do we engage in interactions with leaders that have got really hot headed and kind of blown a gasket? And actually, at that point, we just need to change the whole energy of the situation, change the impact that's going on. And then we can have a sensible conversation. But when people are in these heightened states of emotion, it's very difficult to communicate. And then we don't get the impact that we want to because nobody's really listening because they're in this kind of fight or flight mode. And I'm sure you're finding that with um, the clients that, you know, you're working on their presentation skills with Andrew, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's the, those that get very nervous when they've got to stand up, those that we go through um, writing speeches and then practicing the speeches and the delivery. And there are lots and lots of techniques. You just mentioned um, one there. There are loads of techniques 
there are lots of techniques and you've just used one there that I use to get people to, to think about their inner self, to think about how they're going to rise up and they're going to calm their nerves and be able to speak and be able to deliver and then they get the voice right, you get the intonation right, you, you can work on that. I used to teach people singing and I was singing myself. And again, it's, it's how you use your diaphragm, how you use your belly, where you use your head, how you put all of that together. And it's, they're very simple techniques, but we don't, as you've already alluded to, don't think about them. We just rush in. That's what we do. We speak fast. But actually, we need to just bring the breathing up and use some techniques. And there are techniques you can use every day. And we can supply worksheets on these. And the contact details are at the end of this podcast. So you're absolutely right. Just take the time to think because the, the time you take to think also means that you're thinking about the impact you're going to have in that ripple effect. When I used to live down in Sussex, there was a lady who used to come and ride her horse past my house most every day. She was absolutely terrified. <laughs> she walked past, she was riding a horse one day and you could see, you know, she was absolutely um, rigid on this horse. And I just said to her, you have permission to breathe. <gasps> At that moment, our horse just went, <gasps> thank goodness for that. So... But let's just talk a little bit about body language because you and I were having a conversation off air before we started this about how important in a post-COVID-19 COVID environment reading body language is because I certainly know that when people come work with the horses, obviously it's all about reading energy, non-verbal communication. And actually, generally my clients aren't that great at that. And I think it's because... Again, it's not something we ever think about. But, you know, the conversation you and I were having was um, about, you know, in, in a post-COVID era, how do we greet people? Because there'll be some people that might still be happy to shake hands and some people that might want to hug. And there's some people that are definitely going to be, I want to be two meters apart. Yeah. And it's going to be really interesting for us as individuals, as we, as we start to reintegrate back at, at society and meet other people again, about making the call about what to do. I mean, even pre this, I know that sometimes at business events, as a female going out there and I meet people, like a guy or even a girl, I'm like, are we shaking hands? Are we, you know, doing a either side of the cheek thing? <laughs> and it's always quite difficult. And when it goes wrong, it's always so embarrassing for everybody. And it's a bit like, oh. <laughs> And uh, so I wonder what some tips might be, Andrew, for, for people to help improve reading body language as we're, as we're going into this as a post-COVID-19 key skill that everyone's going to need to certainly be really aware of that as we're meeting new people. Well, we have to make sure that we remain confident. We have to make sure that we, we come over as trustworthy and that we are in control. So it is ensuring that if we can't use our hands to shake, we use our eyes, we use mm -hmm. smile, we use our head in, in, a, in a positive nodding. The other thing is that if we're wanting to think about our hands, not use them, the way that we can clasp them in a positive way so it doesn't look that the barriers are up because it's that we're so used to having hands that can be welcoming but also be barriers. So we've got to use all of that mm -hmm. other body language and use the hands in a positive way in order that we can 
come over in, in, a, in a confident and trustworthy way. So it is about having good eye contact, that's vital. It's building rapport through, through the way that we, that we use our eyes. And we can also, using the eyes, gauge other people's feelings. And we can encourage them to do things by just looking at, into their eyes. However, the negative of that is don't stare too much, but use the eyes and use the head in a way to, to make the eyes come alive in, in that respect. And of course, the warmth that we want to, to convey comes through the smile. The smile can be the hands, new way of welcoming, as can the eyes and the whole of the, the facial expressions that we want to, to do. We've now got to start in a post-COVID world, thinking about the impact, that ripple effect, coming back to what you were, where you started with. The arms folded, for instance, because you, you don't want to use your hands, but actually it's still putting the barriers up. So we've got to think about the way that we would use our body language. And it's, again, the way that the horses, the horses work. And they know because you're not looking at them in the eyes. You're not, you're not reassuring them. And it's this reassurance that we need to still have there, that we are a society that is open and that we can still do business. And it's about that whole thing about still building rapport so we can still do business and we can still negotiate and we can still do all sorts of things. You know, I know when people come out and work with the horses, we talk about some research that was done many, many years ago and there are some, some pivots on it, but we were talking broadly like, you know, 7% of communication is words, 38% is the tonality with which you say the words, and the other 55% is body language. And I think for a lot of us, whenever, again, with my clients, we're out here and we're talking about that, people are often surprised if, if they've never heard it before. People are really surprised that words are such a low amount of that. And actually, you know, all of us are taking in what's going on around us through all of our senses, you know, our, our vision, our hearing and everything else. And so we're, we're, we're reading what's going on with that person. And again, it's something that's typically happening quite subconsciously for people. And I think people are going to have to become more aware about, you know, as we approach somebody new in a post-COVID world, we're going to have to start reading what those people's energy are. Um, you know, we do this with the horses. If you start approaching the horse and you see the horse just slightly shifting its energy backwards, that's a signal that the horse doesn't want you to be, get any closer to him. I'm thinking these are kind of the signs we're going to have to pick up on when we're meeting people for the first time. You know, people might literally just move their body back a couple of millimeters, but we've got to be observant enough to see that and go, okay, that person doesn't want us in our personal space. I'll share a funny story. I was actually out at the garden centre picking up some fencing posts just last week. And I was taking the lady who owns the property here where we are. So we're kind of all self-isolated together with me. And she keeps forgetting that we have a two metre rule. So she went, towards, went to speak towards somebody in the shop and the lady is visibly walking backwards. And I'm having to go, hello, just stop. You can't go any closer. But she wasn't reading the body language of this person stepping backwards because she'd forgotten what was going on. And I think that's, that's for us part of the joy about living down here on a farm. We're not exposed to too much going on and we don't go out very often. So just forgotten going out. <laughs> that's what had to happen. But it is interesting how I think all of us are just going to have to heighten our senses about and become much more aware of what is somebody else telling us before we even get to the interaction, you know, and notice that 
we, we're not, we can't touch them. They don't want to shake hands. They don't want to do anything. And then eyes really important. Like you say, Andrew, and I actually saw a really interesting piece written today, just this morning, actually, where a couple of my friends who are in the coaching and um, therapy business were actually saying one of their biggest challenges with actually using zoom and using online is actually, it's really difficult to see into somebody's eyes and like, you know, this sounds, uh, you know, really see into their soul and really know what's going on for them. And I remember, if I share something very personal, that, you know, I remember being in some coaching sessions and training sessions early on when we were asked to look into people's eyes and I could not do that for love nor money. Mm. And I remember a coach said to me one day, they said, what color are your mother's eyes? I have no idea. I couldn't even tell you that now. That's so, it was so interesting because for me, for whatever reason growing up, that wasn't a way that we were connecting with each other. And yet I realized how powerful it is and I use it now, but I, I felt really embarrassed about doing it. Got to share. I was really embarrassed about doing it. And it, it was a lot of hard work to get to that place. So, but it, it's so powerful what our eyes tell each other if, we, mm -hmm. if we're brave enough to go there. I was just thinking about summing up there some of the thoughts that we've had and what's come out is that effective communication is making a connection or getting an emotional commitment to both conscious and unconscious levels yep. and not just based on logic, on the logic structure. Yep. And, and to move this forward or to facilitate this process, the person must also feel valued. I think that's quite um, important and important in a way that they feel respected. And this comes really to the fore when you want to build effective relationships as you've already been talking about with, with the horses and this is what the process what i call in the gravitas matrix about building rapport and in practice making the person feel comfortable and in harmony so that bond is felt and i think it's most critical during the first few minutes of engagement but it also must be maintained throughout the communication process. So it's not about just doing it straight away, which is important, but then it's building that into the rapport and how you work with, with other people. And that is a little bit more about self-awareness and that links back again to the way that you then use those ripples to continue the whole body language experience. So, I mean, I, th I just think, you know, in summary, the message we really love you to walk away with today listeners is that really be conscious of what the impact is that you're making you're making an impact all of the time and is this a positive or a negative impact that you're making and and just be aware that that your impact isn't just through your words but it is through literally how you're showing up at, at your persona your body language your tonality everything is having a an influence on the impact you're going to leave so are you leaving people with a great impact or are you leaving them with a negative one? We'll, we'll reference everything in the show notes and we'll put all the connections there, the emails, anything that, you, that we've spoken about will all be in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Impactful, the podcast. If you've liked this episode, please leave a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. Recommendations are essential for attracting new listeners. And if you want to learn more, go to www.impactfulthepodcast.com forward slash free stuff. Remember, you're always making an impact. What impact will you make today?